How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Brothers Banter. With you, as always, is Brother Raphael. And I'm Brother JD. Good to be with you all. And today, we're going to talk about all things Mary. Do you mean Mary as in M-E-R-R-Y? Yes and no. I mean Mary as our mother. Mary, mother of God. Particularly because this week we have two Marian feast days, one as a universal church, and then one for the Americas. Actually, both are for the Americas in a way. Well, yes. But, but one is for the universal church and the other one isn't. Okay. 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 All right. Sure. So we're going to break it up into three parts here for you. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be Lasallian and have a Marian devotion. And then we're going to go into our two feasts that are coming up. Right? Does that sound good for you? Yeah, it works for me. Alrighty then. But before we get going, I think Marianism or having a Marian devotion is, is exactly that. Is a devotion, right? Because, and maybe because my heritage and being Mexican, I always grew up with the rosary as such a big staple of uh, our family religiosity. Um, I remember my grandma prayed the rosary with my mom and her her uh, siblings, and then when we got old enough, we would join, and sometimes we'd fall asleep, sometimes we wouldn't. Um, but but I think for me, at least, Mary has been such a big part of my upbringing. Um, I don't know if you share the same. I just remember growing up, and uh, actually days off from Catholic school, I would spend with my grandfather, and he was one of those people that went to daily mass, mm-hmm. which I think is great, and I would tag along from time to time, and the first 15 minutes we were there was dedicated to the the rosary, saying the rosary as a group. And I thought that was, um, as a child, I remember thinking, what is going on? What is this? Um, but as I got older and, and began to better understand uh, Mary's role in, in salvation history and in, in our church, I grew uh, an immense amount of admiration for Mary's courage, right? At a young age, as a young mother... Um, she, outside of wedlock, that is, she was, uh, could have very well been stoned to death mm-hmm. uh, because of conceiving a child outside of marriage. Right. And um, she didn't have any fear of that, or at least what we're told, what we see. Uh, there wasn't much fear I, or I, any. I would assume there was fear. I mean, I think we look at it back and it's, you know, rose glasses and everything is real nice. And mm-hmm. thanks be to God, obviously, because she brought into this world salvation. But imagine being 16, being told by An angel. A, a random light in your room that you're going to bear the child of God. And you're like, oh, man. And that's the thing. It wasn't just a, okay, sure. But like, this was a lifelong commitment. Right. Right. This was a child that was going to be birthed into this world, was going to be needed to be cared for. And if Jesus was like us in all things, he was a whiny, cry child. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Brother's Banter ends as JD has been smited. Um, <laughs> or is it smote? Smoted. Or just smote. I don't know. Anyways. So in the Founder's Meditation... Uh, for the blessed name, or our, our Lady's blessed name of Mary, he tells the brothers in the first point that you have, without doubt, a need for light in this life, where you are always, as if upon a stormy sea, at the risk of your salvation. Have recourse to Mary. She will enlighten you and help you know God's will for you. 
She is a light shining in the darkness. Ask her often then to enlighten your mind and to make it docile to the truth. And I think that's, that's, that's kind of, for me at least, exactly what Mary is. She is a way by which we see Christ, right? She's kind of that, that bridge, that gap. And in his own meditation here, what, what the image I see, and I'm not saying it's the same thing, but in most of LaSalle's portraits, He's always painting upward, right? Or, or at least most of the same tech. Yeah, pointing. That's, that's what I said earlier, right? It, or at least most of the saints, right? It's always like a, a hand pointing upward saying, it's not about me, right? It's, it's up. It's, it's God. It's Christ. And I think that's what Mary draws us to. I always thought he was wagging his finger at the kids. No, no, no. Yeah, he was going off on a tangent. <laughs> like um, you do. <laughs> like me, exactly. Um, because when you think about it, right, Mary is, uh, Mary had both the greatest joy and the, the greatest pain. Mm-hmm. Because she, of course, she was very happy to have brought into this world the incarnate God. But in the end, I mean, she also kind of went through her own passion. Yeah. Right? Watching her son suffer uh, in his passion mm-hmm. was, was, was a driving stake there. And there was nothing she could do to, to help or to alleviate or to carry, to carry that burden. Right? And, and I would suggest that, in fact, she knew that this had to yeah. happen, right? So mm-hmm. they both went into this willingly um, for, again, salvation. And I think at this point, though, it, just for listeners out there who maybe don't have the same grasp we do, there is a difference between worshiping and devotion, right? When we, when we think about Mary, we ask for her intercession, Right? We don't think she's the one that's going to grant us anything or any grace, right? But we ask her to speak to Jesus on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just kind of context for the whole thing here. But uh, doesn't Del Sal have a, also kind of a special uh, worship there? Yeah. Um, actually, fun fact. Not worship, meditation. Uh, devotion. <laughs> devotion, yes. Uh, oh, man, I just set that up. Okay. Uh, fun fact, uh, De La Salle actually were the cathedral in Reims where he served was uh, Cathedral de Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Cathedral of Our Lady. Um, but we as LaSallians uh, have a special devotion to the Blessed Mother. Um, and it dates back actually to the early days of the Institute. Uh, in, I lost my date here. Oh, 1686, uh, De La Salle and the First Brothers took their vows... Um, on, on Trinity Sunday. On, thank you. On Trinity Sunday. Mind blank here. Uh, on, on Trinity Sunday, after a pilgrimage to Liège, a, a city outside, a small city outside of Reims, and they did it at the foot of the statue of, of Our Lady. It's actually, I've been there. It's a, it's a small but uh, black statue of the Blessed Mother. Uh, it's a really, really interesting statue. And... Um, that particular, uh, what is now a minor basilica in Liège, remained for De La Salle a, a center of his Marian devotion. Uh, when he would travel and go to different communities in the area, he would stop there. Um, and he would spend time there in, in prayer uh, with the Blessed Mother. And he, he has said himself that De, he made 
Our Lady, the superior of this young institute, because he said, I want Mary to be the director and queen of our schools. And uh, again, fun fact, uh, the now what is the Basilica in Liège, the, they have a, a side chapel dedicated to, to De La Salle, um, which is very nice. Nice. Very nice. And so, you know, the question remains, at least for us, that Mary, Mary is very, very important to the brothers. Um, and I think because it is very devotional, you know, not everyone has the same amount of devotion. Uh, you know, someone, some people choose to pray the rosary every day. Mm-hmm. Right and and become closer to Mary or closer to Jesus through Mary, um, but I, I would suggest that in general we do we do a lot of of interceding or asking for inter intercession through her. Yeah, I, and you know this on our habit taking this summer we were both given a six decade rosary, mm-hmm. right to remind us of our devotion as as an institute to to the Blessed Mother, right and and to pray for her pray to her or ask her to pray for us, I should That's say, right. um, for our behalf and for that of our students. Right. Right. And the Institute as a whole, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brother, I'll let you uh, take over here. And why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Immaculate Conception? Well, so there's ac- often a misconception around the Immaculate Conception. No, that, I see what you did there. That it's uh, a solemnity about Jesus. And, and it's not. It's really a, a solemnity about his mother, Mary. Uh, the Immaculate Conception recognizes, um, simply put, Mary's privilege of coming into this world free of sin. Um, and the, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, in its most, in its oldest forms, rather, uh, goes back to almost the seventh century. Mm. But it wasn't until uh, 1854, in an apostolic constitution from uh, Pope Pius IX, that it was actually declared uh, a dogma of the church. And in this constitution called Ineffabilis Deus, the document says that uh, from the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, Mary was preserved free from all sin, all stain of original sin. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big burden to bear. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. Yeah, that does a lot. And to think that God did all this work, and it was still dependent upon Mary saying yes, right? Right. It was never forced. assumed, exactly. Yeah, it was never something that was forced upon her. Right. I mean, even when the angel Gabriel comes down, she says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Me? Yeah. Right? Like, me, the lowly servant? Me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so she did question. She definitely did think about it. Yeah. If, even if for a split second, which I imagine in God's time is a long time. I don't know. I'm not God. I don't claim to be God. <laughs> uh, but and it, we have a special... This celebration, this solemnity of the Immaculate Conception uh, also has a special layer of meaning... For us in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, the bishops asked Mary to watch over our country and its people in a particular way. Uh, but they chose this particular title and feast of Mary, her Immaculate Conception, 
to be patroness of the United States. Yeah, this is true. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you knew this, brother, but... Chances are no. (laughs) Well, one of the original communities in the Founders' Day, the community at St. John, actually credits uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception with receiving the letters patent from the King of France, recognizing the brothers as an official institute, legal entity in France, as well as the bull of approbation from the Holy See, and acquiring the funds to build uh, the house at St. John, actually. Uh, So even this feast goes as far back as our own Mm-hmm. Our own founding, or at least how it relates to the Lasallian world, mm. which is very interesting, I think. Just that how... Honestly, it's about the history, dude. It's just so integrated into what we are doing and how we look at it in the past. And, and we, we are tied by the celebration of, of these, these holy days. And, yeah. and it's wild to just think about that, this, you know... Tied back to the early days of the Institute. Yeah. Yeah. 300 years himself. ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 300 years ago, they were doing what we're going to be doing on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's Tuesday, right? Yes. Tuesday. I can't write. Yay. Yay. There's a first time for everything, you know? <laughs> well, and you know me. Um, so, now, because of my own heritage. Which is what exactly? Mexican. Okay, thank you. I forgot that. Yes. I... We'll talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Thank you. Oh, oh, I see what you're doing there. Here I thought you were being nice and honest. <laughs> no, no, please, please, thank you. Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, first introduced herself as the mother of God and the mother of all humanity when she appeared on the hill of Tepeyac in Mexico in 1531. She appeared to an indigenous peasant uh, saint Juan Diego, mm-hmm. now. Uh, and she told him from the very get-go, I am your merciful mother to you and to all the inhabitants of this land uh, and all the rest who love me. So although it was winter in, these, in this time, at the second apparition of Our Lady to Juan Diego, there were blooming roses on this hill. Blooming. Mid-December, they were blooming. And Juan Diego, and Juan Diego picks them all up, puts them on his shawl, or in Spanish, a tilma, and takes them to the bishop of, of the area, Sumarraga. Say it with me. That's I, I, I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when he presents himself to the bishop and his, and his entourage and lets the tilma fall on the floor with all of these roses, there is an apparition. There is, uh, well, maybe not an apparition, but there is a painting of Our Lady of Guadalupe on said piece of cotton on the tilma. The bishop recognizes that those roses are Castilian roses, which obviously did not grow in Mexico in 1531. Where did they grow? In Spain? Okay. Just, just making sure. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure either. Okay. I was like, wait, Castilian? Yes, in Spain. Um, and so 489 years later, the tilma still exists. Right? Wow. 
You have to imagine that his garments were not worn with the synthetic stuff we have now that'll last you for quite some time, right? Mm -hmm. This was all organic material, should have disappeared in the matter of a decade or two, uh, and it still is around. It's preserved. Where is it? It's currently at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. In 1910, St. Pius X named her patroness of Latin America, and in 1945, at the urgings of the bishops of the U.S. and Canada, the Venerable Pius XII bestowed on her the title of Empress of America. We have an empress in America? We have an empress in America. I didn't know that. That's actually a pretty neat title. Yeah. It makes me think of Star Wars. Uh, just, <laughs> I don't know. Nerd. <laughs> okay, Mr. Trek. Uh, the Empress is perhaps the most impressive title as it is limited to a small number of leading Marian advocate advocations across the globe, known none of whom lay spiritual claim over two continents, as is the case with Our Lady of Guadalupe or the Virgin of Guadalupe. Uh, and in the 2000s, John Paul II formalized this invocation of Our Lady of Guadalupe as patroness of the Americas and star of the new evangelization. Wow. Thank you. I was waiting for, for the, the peanuts gallery. Would you like me to pat you on the back here? Let me, yeah, let me help you with that. You know, I take this very seriously. No, it was very good. I, I, there are things in that I had not known. Like that we have an empress in the United States. <laughs> yeah, right? So I have eight fun facts, and that'll be that for me. You're on a roll with this counting today. I, you know... You're doing just, great. I'm uh, proud of you. Wait, what was the first time? <laughs> I, I forget. <laughs> okay. So, and pardon if I butcher this. Fun fact number one. Ophthalmalgic studies made on the eyes of Mary detected that when the eye is exposed to light, the retina contracts. And when the light is withdrawn, it returns to a dilated state. Just as with a, li a living eye. This is on the tilma? Yeah. Oh, wow. Number two. The temperature of Juan Diego's tilma, made of a material that comes from the fibers of the maguey cactus, maintains a constant temperature of 98.6 degrees, the same as a living human body. Oh, wow. Number three. No signs of paint have been discovered on the tilma. From a distance of three to four inches from the image, one can see only the McGay cactus fibers on the material. The colors disappear. Scientific studies have not been able to discover the origin of the coloration, nor the way the image was painted. They cannot de detect vestiges of, of brush strokes or, or anything else. Number four. Yeah, wait, before I go on, I'm good with paint by numbers, but whoever did this was great at paint by numbers. When the material was examined under a laser ray, it was shown that there is no coloration on the front or of the or the back of the cloth and that the colors hover at a at, off the image like at a three tenths of a millimeter. No way. Number five, the rough material of the tilma has, a, like I said earlier, has a lifespan of, you know, 20, 30 years and several centuries later, here it is still. In 1791, muriatic acid accidentally spilled on the upper right side of the tilma, and during a period of 30 days, without any special treatment, the affected fabric reconstructed itself. 
It's Num- a magic tilma? It's a magic tilma. Oh my goodness. Number seven. In the year 1920 man... The 20 man. See, you are I just messed numbers. up with numbers. Oh. In the year 1921, a man concealed a high-powered bomb in a flower arrangement, placed it at the feet of the tilma. Then the explosion happened. Everything around it, except for the tilma, uh, was destroyed. And that's it. That, that's true. And lastly, and I think the most shocking. Wait, what number is this? Number eight. Okay. Yay. In the eyes of Mary, only about one third inch in size. Okay. That's a small, small number. Minuscule human figures were discovered that no artist could have painted. The same scene is repeated in each eye and using Digital technology, the images in the eyes were enlarged many times, revealing that each eye reflected the figure of the Indian Juan Diego opening his tilma in front of Bishop Sumarraga. I learned eight new things today. This is, if not more. If you learn more. You learn something new every day, brother. But with you, it's not something, you know, great, Usually. The this love, was great. This was wonderful. The love and the support I receive from you on a daily basis is commendable. Isn't that why we call it fraternal support? I guess so. I guess so. No, you did good. Did good, kid. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, at least uh, my research skills pays off. Pay have paid off. Um, You're a whiz with Google. <laughs> Actually, I've been carrying around this information in my back pocket, waiting to use it. You must be a blast at cocktail parties, I'm telling you. You know, I am just one fun fact machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Well, uh, that's all for me. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Oh, my. No, really, brother, thank you. That we was... need to get this guy some food. So That was really good. We're going to go ahead and end it here the same way we end it every time. Live Jesus in our hearts. Forever. Forever.